What's up? You listen to Dead Air Hardcore Radio. You. Boom. All right, welcome to another episode of Dead Air Hardcore Radio. Um, with me, I have Ace Edge of Breakaway, Mutually Assured Destruction, and hosts his own show, Form of Passion. Correct. Ace, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you doing, sir? Thanks for having me. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. It's, it's nice to... Uh, kind of discuss the uh our niche little format that we yes. that we have like i we i only i only get this chance very uh very seldom to kind of kind of talk about because i don't think like people who do what we do like podcasts realize we don't really take a pulse of what of of how things are out there we just i don't know if it's for if if you or anything like me, I just have been, I record something and I put it out into the world and that's, a that's yeah, similar, man. I mean, it, it would be the kind of thing where I'm like, you know, I try to be scheduled with, I mean, like I have like my schedule with forum, but it'll be the kind of thing where it's like, uh, for example, I was supposed to interview somebody last night, they bailed. Um, and I had to come, I had to have an episode out by Friday. So it was like, ah, uh, you know, I, I, I guess, uh, who could I, who could I talk to? And like, you know, I, I found like somebody like in, in, in a band uh, going going big right now that just happened to have time. So if it, it is sometimes stuff like that where it's like last minute, literally, um, th- literally, it's the same thing. It's a str- dude. It's it's definitely like the struggle for what we what we do right now, especially like I think it may be even for any any music podcast. But I feel like especially for like hardcore because we're talking about how like crazy uh things are right now and just like the crazy the crazy tours bands are going on just the heights and people like i've like i don't know about i don't know about you but i've been getting like this new wave has probably been the best thing for my show since for for a couple like for for a few years because i have having people who are genuinely like interactive hungry for hardcore uh Mm -hmm. excited about like people telling me they're like some dude from you know way on the other side of the country and some on the other side of the world telling me how they love like apex predator and they started listening to it because of my show i'm like yep that's so awesome It, it it is awesome it is there's there's a lot of uh there for better or for worse there's a lot of eyes on hardcore music right now uh as a whole and um I, there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity out there and there's just a lot of i mean as vague as this statement is there's a lot of things happening uh i feel where um you know the uh the arena is changing in in, in a way and um yeah, I mean, it's in, in my in my long tenure involved in this music, I, I've never experienced a time period like this. And so, and to get back to your point, yes, for for an interviewer's sake, uh, there are ample uh, quality, you know, people to talk to right now because there is just a, a multitude of projects out there. I this leads me to a question: I wasn't. Um, do you think we are collectively prepared? 
for this change. The way the way that hard that hardcore operates, the way that certain current scenes operate. Are we prepared for this? I know this is like a deep oh, it question. Is. It's a I very do. good question, though. <laughs> like I, because I don't know. Sometimes we because we are uh you know such a small scene and some of us are are uh like families for better for worse Uh we sometimes aren't ready for certain changes whether it's you know sometimes like depending on uh this is this is more of an exciting change than uh kicking out some scumbag that's been yeah sure uh, that's been screw that's been screwing up our local scene that's a change that does change people and it's stuff sometimes we're not ready for but like this one is is exciting yet it's it's the unknown well i i will say this um in in a macro sense uh i think that right now some things that are occurring in hardcore um like uh I'll be straightforward. One of the things that attracts me to hardcore music in general is, is the fact that it runs itself. Um, there is not, there has not been like outside interest because there, there could be no gain from outside interest really for the most part, uh, throughout my tenure in the genre. And, uh, and, and right now I feel like there's more outside interest than ever, um, be it because of like crazy shows that have been like, like happening uh, or, or bands that, you know, like that, like definitively are hardcore, like a turnstile or something now getting like international attention on a mainstream level. Um, for example, I mean, I listen to a podcast um, that, that one of my favorite writers does and has the, the man has nothing to do with alternative music. And he he legit the other day in an episode dropped. He was like, "Yeah, I've been trying to get into some new bands that are kind of out there." And like his his engineer was like, "Well, like who? Like what new bands?" He's like, "Well, this band Turnstile." And I was like, so mind blown that he had spoken about like that, you know. And and like these are two worlds I never imagined would kind of like meet each other. And kind of like answer your question, I, I don't know if I'm personally ready for kind of like my personal, like kind of like underground, like air quotes, underground, underground world that kind of like operates on its own rules and principles and, uh, you know, kind of like machinations. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that to, um, go, uh, kind of, kind of a a way where it is, it it becomes the most accessible thing. just as accessible as, as, um, non-counterculture music um but because but i will say this um it is my firm belief that hardcore could never really fail or die because uh it is a subversive genre of music so if you're in a hardcore band and you're playing a basement to four people you are still succeeding at being a hardcore band because you are playing away from the mainstream you're you're doing your own thing you're uh expressing yourself um all through the power of one's own abilities. So, you know, it, in other genres of music, you're a failure if that happens. In hardcore, you can play to 4,000 people or you can play to four people and you're still succeeding at being a hardcore man. So as long as that 
uh, mentality, I think, stays within the genre, I, I think things will be fine. Sorry uh, to give you like kind of a philosophical answer there. I, I kind of asked a um, a question just kind of off the cuff, so that's fair. I, yeah. I, I with, <sighs> Because it doesn't shock me in some in in some ways because it's just like there's so much there's so much nostalgia that probably uh bring with turnstiles uh sound that brings a lot of like some of these people like a lot of like these night show hosts and stuff back to oh this reminds me of all the bands that i used to have come through like you know 20 25 years ago because sure. i mean you know the with green day and all the fat records bands oh, and yeah. stuff like that. So I'm like, it's not too far from, from that where I, but I think it would, but I think I can take comfort in the way that like, there's people that are only going to ever like turnstile. Like, that's true. That's, they're not gonna. You're right. They're not gonna uh, dive deep. You're right. My, fr- my, uh, uh, my roommate works at, um, at Walmart and they, um they're not really they don't really care they they know what they they know the basic stuff because me and my partner go go to shows and um they they saw a turnstile shirt and i was like oh do you do you like it was like they're like she's like i know i know what i know what turnstile is and saw someone they was like Oh, do you like hardcore? And they're like, I don't even know what that word means. Right. And you know what? <laughs> You're right. They probably with just that band in particular, they probably won't, you know. They're like, they saw um, it's cool. I they probably even saw the I mean, it's not it that's what happens with this like crossover stuff. And I think it's it really it's really like hit because like there's a lot of people who uh I think the younger generation for a little while was turned off of uh guitar music um sure not just not just because of don't like, disagree because they, they don't like it it's just like it's like the same same thing they're local there maybe some people were listening like people sometimes are afraid to tell people what they like until it becomes a little more acceptable and then and then and then you see wait how did all these people like this stuff it's like more than likely they liked it before they just weren't talking about it. Yeah. And I think yeah. another thing with guitar music in general is this, is, is that uh, like you take a look, like, okay, you take a look at a younger person, like a, like a Gen Z person. Um, they have more capable, they have more capability with a computer than our generation did. And we, as we did, did the generation before us and, and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, if you want to make music, as a young person, you can just do it on the computer. You don't need to get together with four other people or three other people. And they, they don't have to, one of them doesn't have to have a drum set. One of them doesn't have to have a bass. One of them doesn't have to have a guitar. You can just kind of do everything on, on your own and it's a lot cheaper and you can do it in your bedroom. Um, so I, I see why like, you know, like getting a band together sort of kind of fell out of favor <laughs> with with a younger generation because it, it when the option is the other option is just at your fingertips and it's much easier uh you know and it's also like you know it's like that's what's on the radio it's like you know hip-hop is like the biggest thing in the world and like rap music and uh you know and it's like even rock radio plays like more like kind of like pop pop type stuff um so I, I get it i don't i don't fault like a younger person for being like i don't want to you know 
go buy a $3,000, you know, Rickenbacker or something. I mean, you know, even I don't want to spend a thousand dollars on like a, like a Fender or something. And, uh, and, you know, learn to play guitar or whatever like that when I could just, you know, make beats on my computer or something. I, I, yeah. I get it. And, and I'm not, you know, I don't know the, the straight numbers with it, but any, but I, I would say even like the more underground, like, you know, there's more money in the even underground hip hop. You could do oh, like yeah. without, without even, without, you know, compromising any of your artistic integrity, you oh, can stay, yeah. you can stay in those, uh, and but way below the mainstream and way below and still a, be lot, a lot of money and and doing the music you like doing the tours you like packing out you know three to five hundred room uh venues every yep. night and go home and have to a nice house and you can't do that with even with hardcore like no way <laughs> i don't know the straight no i don't even know the straight numbers for people like you know th- that went on the street you know the turn the the openers of the turnstile tour but they probably oh i'm 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 just praying that they broke even even on a uh, successful i'm tour. sure they all made money but they're not living off it i'll tell you that <laughs> no so. no no they're going home to a to a job or they're doing something or they're doing you know something something else are they yeah. you know diversifying their uh portfolio certainly yes of, of, yes, of yes. in 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 a sense yes <laughs> I you 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 are you I I, I know I think some uh, some good friends are on that tour and I, I know they're coming home to to regular jobs so yeah. and 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 there that's and that's the crazy thing about what we about like this about just any type of like guitar music just like they're having some of the same success but it but when you don't have to share it with people and when there's more people Precisely. like interested there's more corporate interest even in those smaller tours oh, like yeah you know f- fucking liquid death doing and all these other fucking brands want to jump on it they're not necessarily super crazy about like jumping on uh a you know a, a hardcore tour even if it's bringing 200 people yeah that's you know it's they, they could they could do something like uh like like a a, a freddie dread or like some some kind of i'm thinking of like like really underground rap people and and the return would just be you know like like, like a lot more um you know so from their standpoint i i, I get it certainly um but uh you know i mean the, the the thing is is uh i think hardcore will stay quality as long as people uh as long as the uh let's see let's say the the intention behind it is largely for the love of the game if something great comes from it good for you and that's awesome but uh if uh if, if this is what you want to do in your heart because you think it's sick then then i think i think that's the right mindset to keep with it so let's uh let's turn it to you because we're talking about you sure. we on the on form of passion uh you normally do deep dives of your guests of talking about kind of their you know personal history and you know how they got how they got into hardcore but just just their stories in general so i wanted to kind of uh do the do the same thing uh for you i don't know how often uh your own format gets gets uh very rarely (laughs) (laughs) so Uh, let's let's start let's start just like the normal like from the beginning what was like your first kind of like 
like step in into music and what first got you got your interest peaked um first step in the music uh my father was uh he's an avid music fan um particularly classic rock of, of his he is a a a white dude of the boomer variety so that that checks um he uh as a chore when I was younger, what he would get me to do is organize his CD collection, which was extensive. Um, so I, I would alphabetize that for him and, and like, you know, like get that all straight when he would like take, pull some out, you know, what have you. That was kind of like one of my weekend chores, like, like between like that, and like stacking wood and stuff. Um, so I, uh, I would pay attention to these record covers and um, these CDs covers and stuff and, and he, he would play the Beatles a lot, which I never like particularly wasn't really my thing, but it was his favorite band. So he, he played that, but he played some other stuff that, that I like enjoyed. Like, you know, he was really into the police and I was kind of, kind of down, down with that. But like uh, when I was probably pre middle school age, I, I feel like my music taste was pretty ubiquitous. Um, like I, I can't think of anything that I like, uh, super love during that time period. Like I think the first CD I bought was uh, Semisonic uh, because they had the closing time song. And I, I like that song. Um, I think my dad somewhere in there gave me a Smashy Pumpkin CD because he bought it because he liked the song 1979, but he hated the rest of it. Um, but I loved it. I, I, I like, I like that one. I, I'm just kind of speaking about ones that kind of like records that sort of come to mind. Um, <clears throat> what I remember is uh i like remember i what i remember being kind of like a, a turning point for me was hearing metallica and um being like a, a frustrated young man uh well, it was two things i identified with it i was i was you know kind of a an, an angry kid and i was like this music sounds like how i feel um so I, I gravitated towards that one Two, I watched a ton of action movies as a kid and the soundtrack for eighties and nineties action movies was hard rock music. And so I was like, Oh, this sounds like the music in the movies. I like, like, this sounds like the music from the Schwarzenegger movies. I like, you know, and, and the Stallone movies and, and stuff like that. So I, uh, um, uh, and, and I remember another thing too, but that, so I, I started getting into Metallica and like Limp Biscuit was really big when I was about uh, like, like 11. And like, I did, couldn't really differentiate the difference between them genre wise. I kind of thought they were the same thing. So I remember being really into them as well. Uh, I actually know what I think set me down the path of, of like getting into alternative music in general though. Um, when I was five or six, the Mortal Kombat movie had just come out. And I was obsessed. I, I thought it was so cool. And I couldn't believe that the people from the game were on the big screen. And I bought the uh, the soundtrack, or my mom bought me the soundtrack. And it had like KMFDM on it. I want to think, I say Napalm Death, Typo Negative. Um, and I don't know what this shit is. I'm six years old. Like, you know, but I'm like listening to it. And I'm like, oh, cool. These are the songs from the movie. And, I, and, I, and in retrospect, I'm like, oh, that probably had some kind of subliminal subliminal like kind of like influence on me getting into like heavier music because that's kind of like where i started but yeah so i would say you know I, I gravitated towards the music that sounded aggressive and angry um and just kind of you know like went from there I, i'd buy cds from 
uh, you know, Tower Records, FYE, this place, Plan 9 um, in Richmond, that was a local store, is a local store. And uh, I'd just be getting, you know, like stuff from like Metallica to Slayer. I mean, I guess that would kind of come a little bit later. Um, like Static X. Uh, like I, I liked like some new metal in middle school, but I'm trying to think of, of what else there was. Oh, well, this is kind of where I, I got into punk. Um, I'm 13. I see the movie Pulp Fiction. Um, and it starts out with the Dick Dale song, Miserloo. And I liked how fast that song was. I was like, oh, this drum beat, I, I, like, and like this, this fast guitar playing, like, I, I like that. Um, and, and then from there, I think I would kind of correlate that speed with like punk music when I got introduced to that and sort of fell into things, you know, kind of, kind of that way. Absolutely. Uh, that's, seems pretty pretty standard for children of the 90s and 2000s like like we talked about kind of barriers to entry like movies video games that stuff that was like where like now it's very rare and if it's if it's in there it's nostalgia it's it's for nostalgia's sake it wasn't to help break the break a certain band in any way because there was so much so much stuff like that came for me like um you know refused bad religion sure, stuff yeah. like stuff like that where i'd like i heard heard a song like what what is this where like it would be hard harder for me to really make a connection if just hearing it hearing the song by itself right of course and it's funny you bring that up um something that comes up on a forum a lot for people of a specific age about their entry point into hardcore was the Tony Hawk video games. Oh, that's for so many people. Like, it's crazy. It's it, cr- it's so crazy how many I, I'm technically one of them. Um I would not I probably would not have gone to my first hardcore show, which was Direct Control, this band called Are You Fucking Serious? and then Agent Orange. I probably wouldn't have gone to that show had I not heard the Agent Orange song in that game because I knew what hardcore was and I and I thought I didn't like it because I was like, oh that's too fast. I like punk music. Hardcore's too fast. What are the, you can't even understand what you're saying. This is bullshit. But I was like, oh, I know that song. I know Agent Orange from Tony Hawk, though. Um, and then and, and, uh, my friend ended up taking me to, to a hardcore show because because Agent Orange was playing. I had to leave before they even played because I had a curfew. But uh, still, I wouldn't have gone to that show otherwise if it hadn't been for Tony Hawk, you know? <clears throat> no, same. Like, stuff I would, I would be given to listen to, but frankly, most of it was like, in our town, it was a straight like hot topic town. So we were getting, sure. I was, I was been given more, you know, post hardcore metalcore yep. stuff. So a lot of the stuff was like, if I liked it, it took me a very long time or until I actually saw it live to be like, this isn't bad. And then, but like for that, for some of the other stuff, like, um, seeing hate, hearing hate breed on the big screen for triple X, yeah. like stuff like that, that visual, yeah. like I listened to it. I was like, this is so sick and nobody else could care could care, around me could care less about it. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> the visual aid. It's just like, I think it's just like with music, you're, you make, you make like, like these connections. I'm always, I was always like in my early teens, I was like, what would sound cool playing golden eye? What would sound yes. cool? playing halo oh dude i love thinking about like a like like a like a cinematic visual to a song or something i love doing that like i feel like i just daydream doing that all the time so i hear you 
Like there's one like super alt rock like I that I wish I wish that more bands did. Like there was a um there was a few bands back in the day that weren't even like good that did like the video game style like Red Hot Chili Peppers did like a that's right did like a first person uh, Californication video yeah Breaking Benjamin did one where it was a total video game Um, even Creed did a uh, for their bullet song had a like kind of CGI type video game I remember this era yeah and that stuff was pretty freaking cool. Damn. I, you know, I do remember thinking the Californication video was pretty cool. I'm not a Red Hot Chili Peppers guy, but I remember thinking that video was like sick because of like just I love video games. So it was like the concept. I was like, oh, this is this is awesome. You um, know, you know, Earth Crisis with Slither. They really missed. They really missed the mark on that yeah. one. <laughs> I'm a bit of a Slither apologist too, only because when I was first shown Earth Crisis, I was I was given a greatest hits that they had made. And they stacked the beginning of it with the Slither song. So I didn't know any difference between that and like Gamora Seasons End type stuff. And I was like, oh, yes, it's all the same. It's pretty cool. And uh, and, and then, you know, years later, I think back and I'm like, oh, huh, interesting. But I thought like a track like Nemesis and like a song and like a song like Firestorm. I was like, yeah, man, same thing. (laughs) But I'm a very open-minded person and I like people doing weird stuff. So same with like, it was like, we wouldn't have stuff like turnstile. It wasn't for, for some of these artistic moves. Like I am a, I am for, for albums like this. I am a, um, I'm a hundred percent a slither apologist. I'm a suffer, survive apologist. Survive is amazing. I, I am a, um, I'm an alpha omega uh, great, great record. Awesome. Uh, but I am not a uniform choice apologist. No, me neither. I, I not don't even, yeah. I, no. I, you'll never get me to, you'll never get me to do. I, people have tried so many times. I try, I've, I've tried to put it on while I'm like cleaning my room. I'm yeah, like, nah. dude, and the only thing I can think of is I see the obvious lines of where like a lot of, like the the hardcore kids getting into alt rock sure like sure. like and the pop punk and like i could see where like i could see where lifetime might have got some uh uh-huh. cues from there but like uh besides that those re- yeah. that but in that in that realm of 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 you know voldemort style records the ones we try to not talk about that one is i, I just do straight up forget what, what's that screaming at the screaming at the sun yeah scre- stare, yeah staring at the sun or something staring like at the sun staring yeah, at the sun. yeah yeah i i mean i just enjoy like screaming for change so much that uh i just you know i'm like you know what this is this is really all i need with this band is this and i, and I guess like the unity tracks um so I I just like I think I heard that that material like once and was like nah I'm fine I don't need this. So to backtrack from alt from alt rock to punk and hardcore, yeah. how did we where 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 was the connection? Where did we where did we make the the shift? So from like listening to like like I was like into like my journey was kind of like this. It was like Metallica and like some new metal, but like like not the scary stuff like so i I wasn't into like mudvane or slipknot or like like corn it was like the more urban side like i like pod which 
POD, if they just changed some things about their songs, which just kind of sound like a hardcore band anyway. But um, I uh, also I was like kind of into that. And, and I got into like really into Iron Maiden. And I got really into Metallica. Um, but what ended up happening is that I had a homie. His name was JT. And um, I got a bass when I was 14. And he was like, hey, do you?" he was really into Nirvana and he was really into Social Distortion. And um, into like 77 Punk. And he was like, do you want to be in like a band with me? And I was like, well, uh, I like metal. So do you want to do a metal band? He was like, nah. He was like, I want to do a punk band. And I was like, well, I want to be in a band. So I don't give a shit. I'll just play whatever you want me to play. Just tell me what to do. And uh, this is my high school band. It was called The Reserve. Um, it was around for entirely too long. I think I was in The Reserve from like my freshman year of high school until like my first year of college. Um, but uh, it and like it was typical high school band of the fact that it like changed genres every year like we started out as like like being like it was like kind of like social distortion i think there was like some of veil influence in there and stuff um but i uh didn't know i could sing and like just started trying to for whatever reason like i wasn't a singer of this band and uh, no diss to JT, but uh, I think it became kind of understood that I was uh, I was like a better singer than him. And kind of through singing, uh, I discovered the Misfits because I was like, oh, this guy sounds like me. I didn't I, I didn't I think a lot of people think like, oh, are you like trying to sound like Glenn Danzig? And I was like, I started getting really into the Misfits and Danzig because I was like, oh, this guy's voice sounds like my voice. Also, I started really attaching myself to the misfits because I, I would like, when I get into something, I mean, obviously like I have a podcast kind of dedicated to this and I'm like obsessive when it comes to hardcore, I like get really, really into it. So I started like really falling down a well of being in the misfits. Cause I like the horror imagery. Cause I watched a lot of movies like that growing up. And also like, I, you know, I was like, a. I was playing football in high school and I was like lifting weights a lot. And I found out that like Jerry and his brother were like, like football players at their high school and uh, like, like lifted a lot of weights and stuff. And like a lot of the punk people I was around, not hardcore people, but punk people that was like really not their bag. And I was like, Oh, I, I, I feel a kinship to this band. Cause I feel like these are people like me where they can be into this alternative and aggressive and counterculture music, but they can also kind of like be into sports and, and things like that. So I, I, the more I found out about the misfits, the more I was like, man, this is just like the band for me. And I read that. That's still one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, on some days it might even be my number one, but uh, I was like playing with this band. Hadn't even really been to like a, like a punk show on my own yet. I think at this point, like we would play at like pools and stuff and like, like little like community type, like base things. And that show I mentioned earlier, J JT was like, Hey man, do you want to go to the show with me? Um, it's a hardcore show. And, and, you know, I was like, I don't like hardcore. It's too fast. Like I'm, I'm not into it, but I went, and honestly, the, the first Parker band I ever saw was this band, Direct Control. They were a Noe Records band. Um, and they, like, it was weird. I didn't like it when I watched <laughs> it. But now I, like, 
like respect and revere every band that Brandon Farrell drummed for. And, and looking back, it was like, wow, that was, that was crazy that I got to, you know, like to, to see that. Um, and then from there, I just like, the more I would learn about eighties punk, eighties, hardcore punk, uh, I would be like, Oh, I like this. I thought I didn't like this, but I do like someone put me a dead Kennedy song. And I'm like, yeah, this is cool. Someone put me a bad brain song. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I like this too. And then someone played me like a youth of today song. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm straight edge. And like the, I had gotten into being straight edge by like, I don't, was already so much of my involvement in hardcore and punk came from me. Like fine. It was, I was already living away. I sang a certain way and then found a band, the misfits that sounded like how I sang. So I got really into it. I was already not into the idea of doing drugs or drinking or like, like having, like kind of like, like one night stand style, you know, like sex and stuff. And I found out that within this subculture that I was getting into that, that was a thing already. And I was like, fuck, like, you know, a a friend kept asking me, he was like, he's like, you don't do any of that stuff. Are you straight edge? And I'd be like, nah, man, like I'm kind of, I'm on my own wave. I just don't do that stuff. Then eventually I was like, you know what, man, I listen to the music. I live that lifestyle. Like, yeah, I, I, I guess I am. And, uh, I was when I was like 16 and I just, I, I got into hardcore chronologically. So I started out in punk. I started to get into eighties U S hardcore punk. You know, as I got older, I found my way to getting to like, like youth crew style straight edge and stuff. And, um, like obviously along with like, not just the eighties stuff, but like, you know, the 10 yard fights, of the world floor punch, which is still to this day, my favorite band, uh, you know, local stuff like down to nothing um, and, and everything for me. So it, it, it really became like a chronological journey through, through the ages of, of kind of evolving. Like I, I would learn everything about one era and then I'd go to move on to the next era um, and everything. But uh, you know, I'm going off on a tangent here, but essentially in, in high school, I just, I just dove right in. Like it, it became like everything uh, for me. Um, and yeah, you know, it's, I, I formed all my friends around that. I, I, you know, like learned a lot about playing music, like learned a lot about being in a band, which I think learning about being in a band is, is I think more pivotal than even learning how to play music. I, I think being, being in a band and being a good musician are, are two different skills. I definitely agree with you a lot on, um, just like some bands, like some of the classic bands, like Dead Kennedys, the first like, oh, this is okay. Then I'll listen to it again. Yes, this is awesome. Exactly. Then, That's exactly what happened to me. And then some of it for me, I don't know for you, like I would be told to listen to a band, but like I had way more luck getting into a band when somebody had like the CD or it on their i oh yeah their iPod uh-huh. or something like that. Cause somebody would send me a YouTube link of some of some shit and I, like there was one time someone was trying to push this. There's this one MP3 of Chromags and integrity. And there was it just, I don't know how they uploaded it, but it was distorted and stretched. Right. And, right, and yeah. I was just like, I was trying yeah, to, it's like, nah. I was like, how do you like this? And then I listened to it again. I was like, who I was like, this isn't even the same band. Yeah. It sounds completely different. Well, it's like, I remember it, it's so funny, like during the era of like LimeWire and, and like Kazaa and Soul Seek and stuff, you'd come across like, 
Uh, I've talked about this before on, on like on podcasts and stuff where it was like there, I didn't have this, but friends did, but there was a, when stakehold came out, there was a rip of it online that every, that a lot of people I knew thought was like the regular rip when it was actually a little bit sped up because they would be like, yo man, they play it like so much slower live. And I was like, TY seems to kind of play it at the same speed as the record of me, but I don't know, man. And then eventually I would like, be in my car playing that record and my friends would be like why is this so slow and i'm like bro i think you have like a sped up version and it's just funny what like little weird stuff was out there at the time of like different versions or you know because like, they're instead of like doing straight digital it was some of it was ripped from cd ripped from exactly. records yep. and stuff stuff like 10 plus years ago some of it was just like not good and just honestly should be erased because it gives really bad representations of certain yeah. bands. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so it's like, uh, yeah, man, like it was, um, to like, you know, it was, it was funny. I, um, I, I was, I was into, you know, it, it was a lot of like trial by error with a lot of stuff though. Cause like I, I, the, I had a couple old heads, so to speak, there were these two guys that in retrospect were just like, like kind of like, uh, they were like metalcore dudes that like liked hardcore. Um, but, but they, they kind of liked everything that I wasn't into any of the metalcore stuff that they were into, but like, they would show me like integrity and they kind of got me down like the Holy terror path of like that kind of stuff. And they would show me like all that war and, uh, you know, like, like hate breed and, and, and stuff. Uh, I, th- I think was in there. Um, but, but they, when they got a kind of, then they got to college, they, so they were a little bit older than me. They like, kind of like, they kind of dropped out. Um, so after that, it was like a lot of like finding stuff on my own or, or even like younger peers of mine or contemporaries, like kind of like finding stuff and like showing each other. Um, like I'm reading a lot of books. Like I, I got it, you know, like, like America's hardcore, and I read the shit out of that, uh, you know, when the, when the movie came out, like I, you know, like went to like a screening at a very small like theater and, uh, you know, saw that. Um, cause then at that time it's like, you know, YouTube isn't really as much of a thing. The resources are not really, you know, that strong. Oh, uh, so, you know, it was, it was a lot of doing the, the, the arcane knowledge research on your own. Um, but uh but yeah so it was like that that was kind of like my high school time period was being in a band that was like not great and um you know and just like just trying to soak up as much like hardcore and punk stuff as i could yeah i i agree with uh, a lot of the people who got me into any type of just abrasive style music like none of them listen to it anymore and even if yeah. they exist in my world Right. We don't, we don't really, I oh, don't yeah. even, I don't even, these guys I haven't probably seen in like 10 plus years. Bring it up because I don't want to be like, Oh, you still listen to that. And I'm like, yeah, you, you're the one who brought me to the show. Yeah. yeah. So listen, that shit's <laughs> sick. You fucking loser. The like. fuck? What the, so let's go down the line with uh kind of, we talked about your evolution into hardcore and starting um in like your first like punk band that was like, 
I feel like a, your story is very similar to a lot of people. Like it, it just happens that way. With your th- sometimes with your first band, I've done it too. My first band was way longer than it should have because you, you just longer. you don't know what you're doing. You don't yeah. know. You don't have a plan, yeah. and you just keep doing it. And usually, if you're just kind of doing it alongside with the rest of your life, that ma- it it makes yeah. sense. But what where does that? Where's the where does that step into kind of into breakaway what's in between? Okay. So there, there was a band in between. So the reserve was, I was in from about 14 to 18 or 19. And, you know, like we, we eventually evolved into kind of being like, like a hardcore band, um, like, uh, like eighties U S hardcore influence but really still not that great um but uh we did like one weekend tour like right before i went to college and and that was really it um i uh i got to school and i was about an hour and a half away from richmond so i i I didn't really like want to be at this school but it was it was the only school my dad would pay for so i wanted to go to school so it was kind of the concession i I, I got into some other ones, but I had to go to this one. Um, so I uh, I would go back to Richmond like every, every weekend pretty much um, when I didn't have like a rugby match or I'd just go right after. And um, I like uh, – I was into stuff like uh, waste management and um, this band Total Fury from Japan and like Coke Bust and um, faster straight edge stuff. And so, and like, and, and, and like, like hearkening back to like, uh, the hearkening back to like the eighties, like, like I was, I look love like SSD and DYS and like the Boston crew sound minor threat. And I wanted to do a band like that. So the little brother of JT, the guy who got me into, uh, into punk and hardcore, he had like a really like interesting, cool voice. And um, because I think he sang for like a pop punk band at the same time that like, oddly enough, it's crazy that band, the members of that band went on to one of them is the main, the main guitar player in Candy and the other guy does all of like Turnstiles music videos. So these are guys I grew up like next to. Um, But uh, so they had a band called Plan of Attack and, and, like I might be getting my timeline wrong, but Stuart was a singer and I was like, Hey man, I want you to sing for this like 80s style, like fast straight edge band. And so myself, him, um, and, uh, uh, I think my friend Dewey and this guy Lee, uh, I might be, I might be getting some members. So I played bass. Um, I, I wasn't singing anymore. We did this band called community corrections program. It just went by CCP and I was like a nod to DYS. So department of youth services, community corrections program. I had been like arrested somewhere in there and like had like, had to go to like a probation officer. And I noticed that the place had like community corrections program, like on like a sign or something. And I was like, Oh, cool. I'm going to call a band that. Um, so I, uh, we were playing and like, it was pretty fun. Like, like, you know, like we like played like DC with like Coke bus and sick fix and, and this band juice time. That was fun. And like, we like played like this, like really shitty dive bar ramekins in Richmond and had like a good time with that. And uh, like, I remember playing like some like 
like bus and garage like house show. You know, we we had like a handful of like of like fun shows, and I don't remember what happened. I think the guitar player ended up making another band called Deadbeat. He sings for a band called No Other Way now, um, and he was in Breakaway with me, which would happen later. But he ended up making this band Deadbeat uh, that just was like blowing up amongst the youth in Richmond, and like you know, I get it. He was like, I'm going to kind of f- focus on that as opposed to like CCP, which like people just like kind of like, so it's like, okay, cool. We'll like, we'll like break up. So we like, we broke up probably when I was like, I don't know, 19 or 20. Um, and somewhere in there, uh, would have been my senior year of college. I like had, was dating this girl and um, it was really short lived and you know, like she, uh, what you was, you know, honestly, in retrospect, she was somebody that was like having like a, a pretty extensive, like ongoing, like mental health crisis and would like, you know, like she like drank a lot and like did like, a lot of drugs and stuff. And that like, wasn't really the way I was living, obviously. Um, and like, uh, she like broke up with me and I, I was like really hurt by it. And I was like, I was like really bummed at it, like seeing what, like, drugs and alcohol had like done to her and done to people around her um and everything and, and I, I think this this person is doing good now and, and i really hope she is I, I haven't seen her for a few years but uh last time i saw her she seemed to be all right but anyway i uh <clears throat> i was like upset and like immature but like you know at the time i was like i was like i'm gonna make a band about how i like hate everything about like that lifestyle you know, and, and like I made, you know, the breakaway demo, I wrote it like super fast. Cause I was just like, I was like really charged and I had written about like how, you know, when I first got into hardcore, like I had like had like beef with a lot of people locally and like, with like a, like a particular straight edge crew in, in town at the time. And they all like sold out at once and all like got over hardcore really quickly. And I remember being like really upset with that. I was like, Oh, they like in kind of like today's scope, they kind of gate kept this thing for me. And then they like kind of fucked off. And I was like, how are you, how are you going to act like you're better than me when like you like now you're gone. Um, and like, I'm, I'm cool with some of those people today. So obviously time, time heals some wounds, but, uh, you know, so I, uh, I, you know, I was just really angry and I, and I also like a lot of straight edge stuff I was hearing at the time. Um, didn't, it was like, cool. I, was, I, I like liked, you know, DTN and I, I like, you know, like, like, liked you know, like, like bands that like had like that, like that modern sound for sure. Cause I was getting into like that type of hardcore right about when I hit 18. Uh, but like, I like love the classics. I like love youth of the day. I like love gorilla biscuits. I like bold, you know, like, like floor punch was my favorite band. That's my favorite band. Now I was like, I want to do a band that sounds like that. So, um, but a lot of bands that were making hardcore like that, like youth crew like that, they're, they're very nice. Um, you know, it, it, it was more like uh, unity and like holding hands and stuff, which is cool. If that's what you're into. Um, Cause like mindset was a big influence on, on breakaway. And cause they were one of the only bands around me that was kind of like doing that sound. But they were they were more they were aggressive, but it wasn't like like I'm gonna kick the world's ass. And I was like, I'm gonna make that band. So I made that in uh 
my senior year of college. So that would have been 2010, I want to say, because I, I, I finished up in 11. Yeah, I want to say we started in 10. Um, so we, you know, started and like uh, our first show was in Virginia Beach. Um, and it was pretty buck, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, covered Judge. Like that was another band. I was like, Judge is hard. Judge is like, Judge, Judge means that shit. And, uh, you know, I wanted to sound like Judge too. And, uh, yeah, Breakaway was, it, it started out great, you know, like for, like formed a group of friends, you know, around it and everything. And the lineup changed really crazy in the first like year. I mean, like, I want to say, like, I, I could be wrong about this. I swear, I think we went through like 11 different members in the first year. But I was like, I will not give up on this because, like, I am, like, all about this. And, um, you know, I fumbled my way through that, too, though, to be real, because <laughs> I had older heads now, like, dudes for, like, Brace War and Down to Nothing, like, Naysayer and stuff kind of, like, looking out for me and, like, kind of showing me how to be a band. But um, I, like, feel like we didn't really start being a band until, I swear, like, five years into us being a band we got like a different lineup at that point. And those dudes ended up being like the real breakaway lineup. Um, but yeah, so breakaway started then. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was hungry. I, you know, asked to get on festivals, asked to, you know, just like try to hit weekends. I at a school immediately had to start working so I couldn't go home. Um, so I could really only do like weekend stuff, but you know, made it work. Like, Asked Play Sound and Fury, literally told them, like, hey, you don't even have to pay us. Just we want to come out. Had like one of the craziest weekends of my life doing that one year. Like, um, you know, like luckily had United Blood in Richmond. So like it's like those guys put me on there. And that that really helped us like go to the next level, honestly, once we started playing that. And then like, you know, played Rainfest. Yeah. We would just we would just play like festivals. We would try to and the thing, and like this, this is an example. This is prime prime breakaway example. That Rainfest, the only actual member of Breakaway that was there was me. But I was like, I want to play this. I know the rest of my band can't, but this band, Holy Land, that might have been going by the name Spirit Animal at the time. I th- like, think they were on there. They were on their like transition. Yes. Yeah. So that band, which is now kind of like how MAD happened, is because of that band. Uh I was like, yo, will the straight edge dudes in your band be breakaway at Rainfest for me? And they were like, yeah, bro. And like one dude ended up being a breakaway later. Um, but yeah, so it's just like, you know, I just did, I, I said yes to everything because I just wanted to play and, you know, just like wanted to, you know, really make it happen in those, those first few years. But yeah, it was a lot of turnover. Um, <coughs> a lot of, be a lot of fun times, but you know, it, it, Breakaway didn't really become like a stalwart thing, in my opinion, until probably the LP, which would have been 2015. But we'd already been a band for five years at that point. Because at the time I saw you guys at Rainfest, uh, there there's a handful. I think this that year we were we were they were really championing a lot of newer bands the, yes. for those next two years. Like, yep, a lot of newer bands played played the 2014 2015 rainfests and uh and dude most of them were including yours that was it was sick but i was like i i didn't a lot of those bands i never heard of yeah prior 
prior a lot, to a lot of like stuff that was from places that probably didn't hit the northwest that much um you know i was god dang i'm trying to remember everybody that played like i remember there was like andrew wk was a headliner in seven seconds and um it went 10 you know uh i i i mentioned like backtrack and Whole- there's a couple bands that bl- I forget. There was one, there was a few that blew me the fuck away. That only that stopped right. That only like played Rainfest and never and never returned. I actually might have the flyer because I keep a pretty organized like detail on my phone of everything Breakaway did. Um, yep. Um, wow, that that came up fast. Okay, so this was the day that we played Rainfest 2014. <coughs> Seven seconds headliner. Uh, Blast played. I have a funny story about that. Um, and then it goes alphabetical. Blank Boys, uh, Bus, Breakaway, Coke Bust, Down to Nothing. Oh, I forgot they played. Yeah, they did. Gag played. That was the first time I saw Gag. Um, Ivy League, Keep It Clear. I remember them from up there. Minus, Modern Life is War, Singled Out, Sojourner, Territory, The Greenery, and Unrestrained. Um, I remember most of this. The the blast story is I remember they were kind of having like a mid set, even though like I love blast, but I'm looking up, I'm looking up on stage and I'm looking at their bass player and I'm like, man, this dude is so familiar. Um, and w- one of my favorite bands of all time, a band that got me into playing music is Queens of the stone age. Um, and when I was 14, I was like, taking their CDs to my bass teacher and getting him to teach me like queen songs and, and stuff. And, and they're still one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, I'm looking up there and I realized the guy playing bass for blast is the bassist from Queens of the stone age. And I'm like, I, I can't even pay attention to them. The rest of the set, I am just standing there staring at him, waiting for them to hit the last note so I can get on stage and be like, are you Nick Oliveri? And be like, you know, just punish his ass. And I, I would find out later he got kicked out of Queens of the Stone Age. But I, I like ran, I ran up to him and was like, yo, are you get from Queens of the Stone Age? And he noticeably got bumped. And uh, I was like, he was like, yeah, I am. And I was like, oh, wow, dude, that's, that's so crazy. Like, you're one of my favorite bands. Like, this is incredible. And, uh, and then he immediately was like, yo, that guy over there plays in Queens too. And I, I guess it was Mark Lanigan. Um, rest in peace but uh like i you know it was it was funny it was i had a good time rain fest i i you know i i stayed for the whole weekend um it, it was cool i don't know shit about queens of the stone age besides they have some good they have some good songs but i'm not obs- Bro, i'm not they're, obsessed they're <laughs> oh man songs for the deaf is one of the best records ever written and their early material is outstanding they, they really only in my opinion have like one bad record and that's the most recent one um, but they're they're a pretty big influence on on MAD as well. Um, so it, it, it's like this all this stuff that I kind of liked when I was younger. Full circle comes back to my life. So later. let's get into MAD because that's what we're talking about. You got a new sure. record, yes. Um, and so Breakaway ended twenty around twenty nineteen, beginning of twenty nineteen. Yes, sir. And then um, when did Form of Passions first episode? Warm Passions first episode was May of 2019. Okay, this so. kind of happened in the wake of Breakaway stop because when Breakaway stopped, I was like, I'm not going to be in bands anymore. And then I realized that I um, can't do that. <laughs> I really thought I was like, Yeah, I'm I'm done. And 
and that just I, I made a new band like right after or maybe even during breakaway breaking up was a short-lived band called neuromancer um and then uh yeah like i was like i need to occupy my time i love hardcore punk and metal so much that i just like i like have to be doing something and started forum and literally the same month i started forum i started asking people about uh putting together mad um a guy had shown up to the last breakaway show so this man my steam colleague tyler wall and i hadn't seen him at a hardcore show in a while and he was a guitarist of spirit animal holy land um so he he's he's got he's got chops and he's like a heady he's like a heady guitar player he's like he's, he thinks about stuff that that uh, the regular hardcore guitar player probably doesn't think about and uh I was with a friend of mine who's largely a civilian. She's not a hardcore person, but she was like just been friends with me and, and Eric who was in breakaway and he's an MAD. And I'm like, yeah, I want to make this band where I'm like singing. Cause I had done a misfits cover set in that the previous fall. And people were like that knew me at this time in, in 2018 were like, I didn't know you could like sing. And I was like, Oh yeah, I did when I was in this high school band. Um, but yeah, I can. And they were like, you people were like, you should just do a band where you sing. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do something like, uh, like, uh, life agony or oil living witness or something or Sam black church. Um, but, uh, my friend Ashley was like, you should get Tyler to be in that band with you. And I was like, damn, that's a good idea. I like, hadn't thought about asking him. Mm. So I asked him, uh, my homie JD, uh, had never, he had been in like his own bands. He was in his band reactor four. Um, but predominantly JD was a like universal fill in. He might as well have been breakaways drummer at the end. I, I think he played our second to last show, um, and filled in for us all the time. And he would fill in for naysayer a lot. And, uh, <clears throat> I was like, Hey, he just, he just got out of college. I was like, Hey bud, I know you get some time in your hands. Would you be down to do a band? And he was, he was down. And, uh, you know, Fire and Ice had stopped somewhere in there and, and Brace War wasn't really doing that much. So I asked Groder, who is an amazing guitar player. I was like, yo, man, like, I know you like stuff like this, like Life Vagony and Only Living Witness and, and everything and Corrosion Conformity. Would you be down to, to do a band? And he was like, yeah, man, like, let's try it out. And then I, I Eric kind of came over from, from Breakaway. Um Eric was already living in Brooklyn, but he was just back in Richmond all the time anyway, so it was fine. But uh, we, yeah, we got together, started writing, and uh, stuff happened pretty quickly. You know, demo came out two months after we formed the band, and a local record store was like, let's do vinyl. And, you know, so we, we did the, the demo 7-inch, um, and then, like, you know, the local label, Edgewood, like, we had written enough songs to not fill a 12 inch, but it was too much than a seven inch. So we were like, yo man, like Gulch had done a 10 inch at that time recently. And I was like, maybe we get weird with it, bro. And we'd, let's do a 10 inch. So we did a 10 inch and uh, with Edgewood and uh, you know, like our first show was in Philly. It was a, this is hardcore pre-show that same July. And yeah, stuff was stuff was going cool. Like, you know, like playing cool gigs. One of the best gigs I've ever played in my life was in Philly towards the end of the year. It was like us, Incendiary, Year of the Knife, uh, Mind Force, Never Ending Game, Fuming Mouth. 
Um, there's a few others on there. I'm, I'm probably forgetting, but it, yeah, that, that one was crazy. And uh, we did like a weekend with the incendiary division alliance in that February kind of celebrating our record played one more show in 2020. It was a terror magnitude restraining order to get in North Carolina. And then the world shut down. Yeah. So really felt like we got the wind taken out because we had just released a record and it really felt like the rug got pulled out from under us. Um, and, uh, you know, during the, during lockdown, you know, Tyler was our main songwriter and I was like trying to like, you know, I was like, Hey man, like I'm an optimist. Um, I was like, ah, we'll be done with this in a few weeks, you know? Um, which obviously wasn't the case, but I was trying to think like positively. I was like, you know, like we'll be back on our feet soon. Uh, let's like, let's write now. Cause we'd be going, we'd be going kind of rapid fire. So I was like, let's, let's keep the ball rolling. But uh, Tyler understandably was like, yo man, like what if this is like forever or, or kind of like, I mean, like what if we like make this, make a record and we can never even play these songs, you know, or something like that. So I started asking Groder who has God, I mean, Groder's like, he had written some stuff for the previous material, but like Groder's writing bona fides is like, the first three down to nothing records, the fire, all fire and ice's music, like uh, a brace or record or two, maybe even some iron boot stuff, but I'm not hundred percent sure on that. The dude can write a fucking song. So it was like, uh, yo man, like, you know, like let's just, you and I get together. So during lockdown, Groder and I would get together just me and him. So it's him standing there with a the guitar and me standing there with nothing and being like, all right, man, why don't you try a part that kind of sounds like like this part of this song or like like I would like kind of mouth something and he'd just kind of stand there and, and sometimes the Holy Spirit would be in him and he would just come out with something crazy. And then other times, like, you know, it just kind of, you know, the spirits weren't in him. So he couldn't really, couldn't really do it. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we wrote a lot of the record that way. And then as things started kind of lighting up, um, Tyler came in with two songs, The Struggler and Seven Crowns, probably the two best songs on the record, to be honest. And uh, he came in with those. And, you know, we, I had done, I, I, you know, I love hardcore, man. I love doing, putting on shows for my community and getting people together and, and everything. So during this time period, I set up a swap meet because it was outside, you know, like you could mask up you know, whatever. It wasn't a confined space type deal. And uh, it was on Halloween. So it was like, you know, like costumes and courage. And Sam Yarmouth came down from New York um, with a triple B table. And I talked to him and I was like, Hey man, like I interviewed him for form. And, and then I hit him up and I was like, brother, I was like, you know, we want to go big for this record because we're putting a lot into it. I was like, you know, will triple B be down to do the record? And he said, you know, even basically he was like, yo, we've been friends for a minute. He's like, there needs to be an ace record on triple B. So let, let's do it. And, uh, you know, we, we started doing that or, or we, we started that, that partnership and, uh, yeah, it took a long time. We, it took eight months to record because of the schedule of the dude who, uh, recorded it. Um, he was also in breakaway, but he, he's who engineers my podcast, but he's only available at night post 8 PM. And then Sundays, and Mondays. 
so if you have a nine to five, it's a difficult time. It's difficult getting into his studio, really. So um, we only had a few days of the week that we could, we could get in with him. And uh, kind of an unlimited time frame, which I, I think was a bit of a detriment. I think I think as a band, we need more stringent lines. But we uh, – so it took us a long time to record from an April to an August, I want to say. And then, uh, yeah, like we – that was 2021 – yeah, so we, you know, got stuff, you know, mixed, mastered, got the art guy we wanted, um, and uh, you know, it 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 took all that time to get to April. We dropped the first single, and it came out. I got, I guess, a little bit over two weeks ago at this point. Um, but a lot of time and a lot of writing time went in, into it before that eight months. So that, that record had been been worked on for two years, maybe. So, um, yeah, and it's, it's fucking, it's, it's, how is it, how is it being in this band compared to Breakaway? Just cause it's just such a different vibe. Like Breakaway was, um, because I was at least performing it, you know, performing. Oh, that's, it. yeah, that's a different story altogether. Break, operation wise, Breakaway was like, I was technically the only original member, but another guy in the band, Lagan, was he started in the band like maybe the second show so he is an original member but so much of that of me and Lagan being a breakaway Lagan's kind of a relaxed guy so so he wasn't like dictating a lot of stuff that happened with me it was like uh breakaway was my baby and people that joined in later I was kind of like this is how we do stuff because I've been here since the beginning you know kind of thing um so it was a little more dictatorial. Sorry, due to breakaway, um, that I, I might have been a little bit bossy with stuff. Uh, MAD is far more collective. Um, it, it made like breakaway. Like I feel like I could interchange. People could interchange. Like we'd have fill-ins all the time and and whatever. And it was still the same thing. MAD, it's like doesn't feel like that. It feel like you, we need like the parts of the whole in order to operate. I think we've had a fill in like maybe like twice, um, and like I couldn't. Have, I mean, like it would be weird to do the band without any of the original five. Um, you know, like hope nothing ever happens where that's the case. But uh, <clears throat> um, performing, I'm gonna be real with you, man. I, I'm still figuring out MAD a little bit. Like you know, like I have a good time with it and stuff. But like I wanted it to be different than Breakaway. Um, you know, I I literally wanted it to be the kind of thing where you could look at a picture of MAD playing and know it was MAD as opposed to uh, know it was MAD as opposed to knowing it was Breakaway. So that's kind of one of the reasons I like started rocking the sunglasses. You know, because it's add a little swagger to the music, but like, you know, it was like I wanted people to distinctly know in a picture that's MAD. Started rocking the mic stand because I wanted to have a little more of a rock and feel. Also, be different than Breakaway, um, and uh, you just pre- presenting in a live setting just like way differently. Like Breakaway was a generic hardcore band on purpose, and I wanted MAD to be everything like but a generic hardcore band. And I've. I don't think I've I've listened to like a live um I don't think I've seen a live video uh yet but of like hearing stuff like the I've I've watched a couple of like the Age of Apocalypse um videos mm-hmm. where I'm like it 
I can imagine it's not an easy task to keep keep a hardcore high energy and be able to make it sound good, especially on the mic. Just not not like just vocally, but like making sure you're not going all over the place. It's easy to do that and shout and throw it out to, you know, to the crowd. But like singing and doing the same thing, that's a lot of that's a lot of work that you know, more, you know a different dynamic there's there's still an older song that i like fuck up singing in key all the time you know like uh and so and i can admit that no problem there's like two that like i really gotta focus and sometimes i nail it and other times i i watch a video back and i go ooh, that wasn't the right key at all <laughs> but uh you know um otherwise uh Hey man, I can do the yelling part fine. The singing stuff goes goes pretty good live, um, but uh, yeah, so it, it, it's different for sure. I could just kind of jump around and bark with Breakaway with uh, with MAD. I got to be a little more intentional. Yeah, that's where I was like, that's where I was talking about like transition wise. That's got to be uh, interesting, even though you've sung before. Just like going from that that trying to keep even just keeping a good energy with it and trying to make sure you're singing in key. Or at least because you don't really have to worry about that too, too much. Like with certain hardcore bands, like there's bands that I know who can do both, but like when, uh, like somebody goes from, I've, I've seen live sets where somebody I know can sing went from their regular hardcore vocals and with no transition into actually singing and it kind of didn't go it didn't go off very well yeah it's like <laughs> it's like i think i think we just get lucky with these songs to be honest because i think i, I would admit if the transition i was jarring and i don't think it is between like like my clean stuff and my harsher stuff um i'm really just going verse course verse course with a lot of it so it, it's like <clears throat> you know I'll think of like uh, just what sounds good over a particular part and switch it up um, on the next part. Like there are some, there are some songs where I predominantly sing and then there are some where I predominantly yell and it's kind of just like whatever, whatever I think benefits the song. Tyler helps a lot with that. Tyler will kind of sit back and coach me while I'm like, I'm, you know, recording and doing stuff. Cause he's a real musician. I'm just a guy that can sing. So you know, like a, it's having him as kind of like a vocal coach, sort of, so to speak, is 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 pretty chill. Um, but uh, I'm still learning. You know, I uh, I like, um, you know, I, I, I watch videos of us just kind of be like, all right, well, how did I sound here? Okay, like, what should I change up? What would be better if I, you know, did or whatever? It's kind of like watching film, for like a sport or something. Like, all right, like where where could I where can I improve? So I'm still trying to hone my craft myself with this, but I'm, I'm having a good time doing it. And also we've talked a little bit off before we start started. Um, and as we're, uh, wrap it up a little bit, the, yep. um, we talked a little bit about, uh, uh, Randy being on the record, um, yes. and, um, how just that, you know, it's how easy it, how, how cool it is, how in with our connections and hardcore, just like, just being a part of hardcore, yeah, how maybe. you can just ask someone who is part of one of the biggest, one of the bigger stadium metal bands of all mm-hmm. time to, to come and, you know, lay down some vocals. And Joe, it's just like, and like, he wrote those lyrics, you know, it was like, it, it wasn't like some like weird to do, man. It was like, 
he had been on my podcast before. Um, as as I, we were talking about before we started recording, it was like they lockdown had happened. I, you know, sometimes get a good idea in my brain. And I was like, wait a second, that dude lives here. They're definitely not on tour. I should hit him up and see if he wants to be interviewed. And uh, he was down. And, you know, he learned about MAD from there. I was like, I'm in this band. It's like, you know, semi-influenced by y'all or whatever. And he was like, oh, I can dig it. He started posting about MAD. And I was like, whoa, crazy. Like, thanks, dude. And uh, he was already a Division of Mind fan. So he, he was like, he was into contemporary Richmond hardcore. Um, but uh, then like down the line, I was like, we had songs written on there with two of them where I was like, yo, would it be cool to get like Randy on like this song and like one of these two songs. And I, you know, I was like, you know, man, you can't, you can't, what people need to learn is that it does not hurt to ask. Just ask. All someone can do is either ignore you or say no. And ignoring yeah. you is just a different version of no. So it's like, it's got nothing to lose. So I was like, uh, I messaged him and I was like, yo man, uh, working on this record. I know you're familiar with MAD. Like, would you be down to, to, you know, hit, hit a verse or like hit, hit a part on a song? And he was like, yeah, man, like send me a couple. And I was like, Oh, it's crazy. Okay. Um, so I sent it to him and he like came back to me. He's like, I want to do this one. And he picked the song he wanted to do and wrote lyrics to it. Came in the studio, like while he was in the middle of like running errands and like busted that out in like 15 minutes, did a little production on his own. And then was like, all right, y'all see you. And, uh, and that was it, you know, like, and so, and he's, he's, he's helped promote the record and stuff. And it, it, it's an honor, you know, like that, that guy is a, is a Richmond legend. Oh yeah. Um, you know, so it was, it was, it was cool to, uh, be, a, have him be a part of, of this very special record. Yeah. I, I feel like it's hard to deny Randy's vocals, even if you don't like some of the stadium style, like, kind of uh more just rockish riffs yeah. that lamb of god has <coughs> those vocals are cool. like i'm not gonna lie i still love like i i haven't i like lamb of god they're amazing like, 100 I mean, like, even the, the most recent record it's good like you know they got a few in there that are like whatever at mo- like whatever at worst like you know they're either like fine or they got stuff that's like great i mean like um asses of the weight outstanding you know, it's like they, they they just they smash, um, you know, and and I, and I feel like a lot of people that listen to modern hardcore can find parts in their songs that like would scratch totally the itch that you want to be. Scratched. Exactly. So, Some people just like, I don't know. People are like, eh, I don't like listen to that stuff. It's too big. And I'm like, OK, like, you know, <laughs> but, but it's like if you listen to like if you listen to like stuff like any G or something like that, like you can find parts of Lamb of God songs that are, are going to hit. Like, you know, you go on there and like, listen to like, Oh, murder. It's like, that's going to be sick. Oh, wait, what's the one now you've got something to die for. And it's like, just like straight up, just hardcore parts in that song. So it's, it, yeah, it's sick. like, yeah, it's at least if people are listening and they don't normally like listen to Lamb of God, at least give ashes of the wake a chance. And uh, if you don't like it, fine, but give that record a shot weirdest thing and best one of the best off the wall covers like it or not of of a of a of a random pop band doing a metal cover oh yeah was gym class heroes doing uh doing 
the the big the big Lamb of God song uh, that they did did on uh, Lay to Rest. Yeah, they did Lay to Rest. Damn, didn't at, know that. I was That's at crazy. Warp, I was at Warp Tour and we were walking by and the dude, the Travi or whatever, yeah. was fucking killing it. Oh, good, good for him. I was <laughs> just like out of nowhere. He was hanging out. He did. He went from doing like a weird duet song with Katy Perry and then. And then she left, and then he just fucking. They were just like, dun, 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 dun. I was like, "That's fucking great." Well, that they, sentence is crazy. Do what with Katy Perry into Lamb of God cover is a. They wild killed it. Sentence. It was two thousand. It was like two thousand eight. So it was nuts. like it was a wild. It was a wild yeah, time for music. I believe that shit. Um, so damn. I was just like, it was the most unconventional, but like they, I've net, I've like, I couldn't have, I couldn't have heard a better version or cover of it and because they just they did That's it sick. <laughs> they did it like they did it exactly <coughs> like i've like i've heard it performed live <laughs> fuck yeah <laughs> well, i love that that's crazy so thank you so much for uh for, ta- for taking the time uh to to talk and hang and hang out and uh just shoot the shit about hardcore um any any uh final things you'd like to uh lay out before we uh we wrap up. Uh, no, I mean, <clears throat> um, I, uh, you know, if, if you, if you guys want to listen to some, uh, uh, some different hardcore interviews, check out my podcast. It's called forum of passion. It's on, uh, everything, Spotify, Apple podcasts, uh, Stitcher. I bet, um, you know, it, I think the only place it's not is YouTube and that's my fault. Sorry. Um, and, uh, yeah, if, if you, you know, want to support, uh, my most recent, a musical endeavor, uh, you know, check out uh, Mutually Assured Destruction on your preferred streaming platform. And if you like it, buy a record from the band Direct. That's going to be at mutuallyassuredestruction.bigcartel.com. Um, I got some special edition records rocking right now that, uh, I don't know, probably down to like 75 out of 100. The rest of them are going to be uh, with us on tour with Gel in July. Hell yeah. That's, yeah July 5th. 15, 16, 17. That's going to be Wilkes-Barre, Boston, and Brooklyn, respectively. Um, so come out to a gig. Uh, come say what's up. Like We'll talk about Queens of the Stone Age or uh, whatever you want. Um, but yeah, that, that's it, baby. Thanks, Trevor. Hell yeah, we're going to get back to it. You're listening to Dead Air, Hardcore Radio.